Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk about the NBA, the NHL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 222. King Charles III was coronated this past weekend. And while nobody listening to this podcast probably cares, to be quite honest, what is mildly interesting is the last royal coronation for, I'm going to say England, that's probably not the right term, but the last monarch coronation for the United Kingdom, I suppose, was in 1953 for Liz II. And that just so happens to be the last time, or the, the penultimate time, that the Lions have won an NFL championship game. So 1953, December of 53 is when they won a championship game. So is it going to happen again this year? Uh, Probably not, but there technically is precedent for it. Bet on the Lions maybe, but, but don't, because don't, don't listen to anything that we have to say when it comes to betting. You could probably get good odds. The Lions probably would. I, I mean, if you had to ask me right now, I'd pick the Lions to finish second in the division, right? After Vikings, I guess. Maybe. This feels like a close division this year, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to bet on Jordan Love being good. No. But the other three teams, I could see them both. I could see them all competing at the top. I don't think it'll be a super strong division this year, honestly. I mean, the Vikings are definitely the favorite. No, I was going to say they're clawing clawing to not be last. I, I think the Packers will have that locked up. I just don't expect Jordan Love to be... Good. I think you'll see. I think the Packers this year will show exactly how good Aaron Rodgers is by being very bad this year. Yeah. A lot of the Packers fans I've talked to were very um, indifferent, I guess, about him leaving. They're like, man, whatever. A lot of of bittersweet reactions. I think people were just happy to be done with the drama, right? Like the will he, won't he every offseason. I'm sure that gets exhausting. But yeah, he's also one of the best quarterbacks we've seen play quarterback in the NFL ever, probably. So you can't write him off completely. That was an exciting ride to see how that turned back to sports. I thought you were completely just giving up on a sports fun fact this time. <laughs> no, shockingly enough, I didn't. And uh, I will correct myself. King of the United Kingdom is his title, I guess. So, yeah. King whatever. of the UK, sure. Can you name all of the, 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 like the states of, of the United Kingdom? Uh, Britain. Oh, 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 of the UK. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Cornwall is a county. Yes. Um, of so that would be Britain. Everything right? except Northern Ireland. Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Is that right? Wait, which one did you say? Britain, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Britain. Why do we um, keep talking so, about so geography it, it, on this podcast? It's, it's not Britain, though, right? It, it's England. It's oh, England, England Scotland, right. Wales, and Northern What's Ireland. Britain? The island. The, that that would be Scotland and England. Correct. It's so confusing. It's like a Russian nesting doll of terms. And then like whatever Brexit was, I think made it more confusing. But I, I don't really know what that is either. I am. This is not a world, uh, you know, events podcast or a geography podcast, although it seems to be turning into one. Somehow. Next week's episode. What is the <laughs> European Union? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the fun fact is going to be. <laughs> But but no, why it is correct? It is it is England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Yeah, not it was Northern Ireland, not Ireland. Not, not I know Ireland. it was one or the other. 
Ireland is its own country. Northern Ireland is part of Great Britain. Good, good for them. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. That was totally unrelated to sports, and I'm not going to try to bring it back to, to relate it back to sports. But uh, we are moving right along with the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL, and our resident NBA expert, Ariana Phillison, on what's happened in the second round of the NBA play- playoffs. Yeah, we're going to punch through some results here. Uh, the Heat and the Knicks. The Heat are up 2-1 in the first game. Julius Randle was injured. The Knicks, the Heat won that one. Game two, Jimmy Butler was out injured. The Knicks won that one. Game three, Jimmy came back. The Heat win. Uh, I believe the Knicks and the Heat are playing right now as we are recording. And uh, they're up 10 in the second quarter. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but right now, it's just about getting both these teams healthy as they can be. Obviously, the Heat lost. Uh, what's his name? Tyler Hero in the first round. They have not missed him too much because playoff Jimmy is a different guy. Uh, the Celtic Sixers are 2 2. Both of the wins by the 76ers have been all-timer games by James Harden, who is well-known for choking in the playoffs. Uh, Not doing that so far this year. Uh, Playing like his life depends on it here. In the wake of Joel Joel Embiid's first-ever MVP win, which he desperately wanted. Um, But that's been a series that's been pretty fun so far. The Nuggets and the Suns are also tied in that series 2-2. The Nuggets won the first two games, and the Suns have won the second two games. Devin Booker basically has forgotten how to miss a basket. In I mean, you're his... not supposed to know how to do that. I like, know. That's not the goal. But the other team is supposed to make you do it, so in theory you should do it sometimes. In his last, the game before last, he went 20 of 25 from the field for 47 points. And in this last game, he went 14 of 18 for 36 points, which is just ludicrous shooting to go 80 and 78 percent while averaging like 40 points that is incredible last time i checked that's pretty good that is pretty good and then um not to really be outdone nickel yoke also been insane numbers in that game in these games his last two games both losses by the way he put up 30 points 17 rebounds, 17 assists, and then went followed that up with 53 points, 11 assists, and four rebounds, one block in each of those games. And he lost both those games, believe it or not. So um, it'll be interesting to see. After the Nuggets went up 2-0, uh, all of this rhetoric was that the uh, the Suns are too top-heavy, the Suns don't have enough depth, there's no way they can compete with how Denver is able to rotate guys in and out. And now all of a sudden, oh, what do you know? If you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on a team and they both play really well, they're a pretty darn good team, even with Chris Paul, as always, out injured during the playoffs. Uh, And then our last series, we have Lakers-Warriors. Lakers are up two to one on the Warriors. And um, honestly, it's been the AD show. Everybody's been playing pretty well, but Anthony Davis has been so far in the playoffs the number one option on that team, even ahead of LeBron. Um, He has been dominant, and it'll be interesting. It's been a big back and forth with lineups. They play big, then somebody switches to a smaller lineup, and you go back and forth like that. 
Um, so I don't think that that matchup slash series is done shaping out. So it'll definitely be interesting, and they're shaping up for a fun game four. Um, and we'll see what happens there, but that's what I got for you. Truth be told, I didn't have time to watch a ton of games this week, so. Is Davis's body going to hold up, though? I mean, that's been the question since the that start. Is the question. It, to me, it looked like he took an absolute beating earlier in that last game on Saturday. It looked like he just took such a beating. Yeah, and they switched from guarding him with Looney at the beginning of the series to now uh, putting Draymond on him. And Draymond is a very physical defender, uh, even when he's not doing weird stuff like he likes to do. Um, that's definitely going to play a big part. And honestly, the question for the Suns and the Lakers is the same question. Can you play your two big stars enough minutes to get you all the way through a championship? You might win this round, maybe, if they have good games and they can hold up, but can they do it again? And then can they do it again after that? Especially the Suns, like their guys are playing 43 plus minutes every single game, 45 plus minutes, whatever. Overtime games happen. They're playing a ton of minutes. And Lakers, you know, AD and LeBron, LeBron's getting older. Anthony Davis has always been made of glass. It's definitely a fragile ecosystem and existence they're working on there. But um, as long as they're playing and they're playing well, that's, all you can do, it's the playoffs. You don't get to take days off. You don't get to take plays off. You got to go in there and give it everything you got every game. But unless you have any other questions, I'm going to pass it from one playoffs to the next, and we'll talk about the NHL. Yeah, no, I don't I don't have any other questions. I mean, I guess, to me, I've been a little bit surprised by how well the, the Suns and 76ers have played, right, with the injuries that they've had, with Embiid being beat up and Chris Paul being beat up. That's been the thing for me. Yeah the ability for James Harden to selectively kind of get back to that Rockets James Harden form, if only for a night, is super useful. We'll see if he can do that again. Hit the big three at the end of game four. Yeah. When you can have somebody, that was a stupid defensive you know, decision. Why would you double off James Harden wide open in the corner at the end of the game? Do you know who he is? He's going to hit that. But, but also, I mean, that was a terrible pass to him too. Like, yeah, it's not like the pass was right into a shooting motion. Like he had to pick that he ball off that up from the side, two tops, and still in motion, knocked it down. Like that was yeah. huge. But especially when you have Al Horford was coming in to help from the left, and he was on—I don't even remember who he was on. It wasn't a good shooter, but Jalen Brown decided to come in and effectively almost triple team uh, Embiid off of. Harden, and I don't really know why he did that, but I do think he owned up to that after the game and said that was a stupid decision and it was not the play. And even if you do give up that bucket to Embiid, it's just tied. Yep. Right? You were, you were up too. It's just tied. That's okay. You can't give up the three there. Like, that, that, that was the confusing part. Like, up one, I can see maybe helping there, right? But not up two. No reason to do that up two. I agree. Anyway, that, that's all my thoughts on the NBA. Why you got any more thoughts you want to add or should we talk about hockey? I have no thoughts on the NBA. Let's go to Ice Puck game. All right, I'll, I'll give it to you then. If you have no thoughts on the NBA, that implies you have thoughts on the NHL. So I'll just let you take this segment. Exciting. Uh, the puck is slippery because it's on the ice and hockey's cool because there's fights. Thank you. Uh, that was some amazing analysis. I just got an alert on my phone that says the Blackhawks won the number one overall pick in the NHL draft lottery. So that's something. Yes. 
Yes, they did. That was interesting. Um, it'll start the rebuild off right um, for the Blackhawks. Um, but going back to the playoffs that are still happening now, um, the one observation I have from the uh, the second round is that, first of all, goals. Goals everywhere. Like, if we look at... Uh, for if we look at these series, um, the winning team has had at least four goals in all but two games of all four of these series. So these series have each played um, three or four games, and only once has the winning team had less um, than four goals, including some uh, six and seven spots um, easily hung up in these games. So it's definitely been a higher-scoring offensive series. Um, the other thing is home ice is generally held truer than it did um, in the first round, with the exception of the uh, Panthers um, taking a 3-0 lead on the Maple Leafs. Um, the home team has won a majority of games in all of the other series um, that have played a majority of their game that have played an odd number of games, I guess. Um, so home ice has mattered more than it did in the first round. Um, in the first series, the Knights and Oilers, that is tied at one. Um, to me, the most interesting of that series, in game one, um, Dreisaitl for the Oilers scored four goals, just himself. He scored four goals, and they still lost that game six to four. Great individual effort by um, one of the great goal scorers. I mean, he's got, uh, he's got uh, how many goals does he have now? At least 12 in the playoffs? Yeah. He's got 12 goals in the playoffs. Just um, so great effort from him, but they still ended up falling in that game, six to four. Um, in the Kraken Star Series again, um, Seattle is up two one, but I want to highlight um, the individual effort again. Um, Pavelski for the Stars, his first game back from injury, he was injured in Game One of the Wild Series. First game back from injury, Game One against the Kraken, he scores four goals in a game. And the Stars lose, this time in overtime, 5-4, to four, um, to Seattle. So, again, another great individual effort that was wasted um, in the end. Over in the Eastern Conference, the Hurricanes are, um, have a 2-0 lead on the Devils. It looks like they have some, goal, uh, some goaltending problems. They've uh, given up five goals a game um, so far this series. They only have a win because they scored eight in game three at home. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on the goaltending in that series because it hasn't been great on either side. And then as I alluded to earlier, the Panthers, um, and what's been the biggest surprise for me so far um, of the playoffs in general, of course, um, with them beating Boston, but of this round specifically, taking a 3-0 lead on the Maple Leafs, um, huge surprise um, to me. I thought the Maple Leafs um, were... Um, debatably the best team left in the Eastern Conference um, with Boston out. And now uh, the Panthers look like they're going to dispatch of them too quite easily. So just way to go to the Panthers. You sneak into the playoffs. Um, you sneak into the playoffs. They are only one point clear of Pittsburgh in the end and Buffalo making it into the playoffs. You sneak in and you do some damage. So. So they're the heat version of the, uh, of the NHL playoffs, if I make an NBA analogy. 
I get it now. Yeah. That was that was the only part of the segment that uh that you got. Uh there are a lot of goals being scored, I know that. There are. Is this standard for there to be an uptick in the postseason in goal scoring? I guess I don't have any I don't have any data where I can uh can back this up one way or the other, so I don't know. Yeah. But um my guess is no. That's my gut feeling, is that generally the games tend to get a little bit lower scoring. That's what I would have thought. That's that's the case in the NBA. It always dips. Yeah, but I don't know. I could go back. I can go back and try to find some data for you and get back to you. But my gut read is that no, generally it gets slightly lower scoring. So that's interesting. Is it an issue of goalkeeping or just everybody's really good at goal scoring? I haven't watched enough games um, to know for sure. I mean, I tend to lead towards bad goalkeeping. Yeah. Um, when in when in doubt, I mean that that that's my default for hockey, right? Is high scoring games are generally bad goalkeeping. But I mean, it's possible if it's just odd man rush after odd man rush, right? That you could blame it on the uh, on on the defense. But yeah, generally, I'm going to blame it on on the goal goalkeeping. Any other questions on uh, how the initial playoffs have shaken out so far? None from me. Nope. All right. Should we move on to our signature segments then? I think that's all we got to talk about this week, right? Yeah. Awesome. We will move on to our signature segments. And this week, I am going to talk about a concept known as disengagement. So that might be a term, excuse me, a term that is unfamiliar to to, um, many of you because it's, it's, it's a relatively new term um for the rules this year um and the reason is um as part of the pitch clock rules right um a pitcher now only gets two disengagements from the rubber per um at bat with a couple exceptions i'll get to that in a second um a third disengagement without picking off the runner then becomes a balk and the runner gets to um advance one base now, the, the exception to the disengagements um, is that per at-bat is that the run, the, that number resets if runners advance during the plate appearance. So say somebody steals a base, you get two more disengagements. So it's really it's per base running position. If there's a wild pitch, two more disengagements. A bach, two more disengagements. Now, it's still a maximum of two. It's not like you can just keep adding them up, but it gets reset to two um, every time... Um, a runner advances. Yes. So really what I want to talk about here, though, the other thing um, with disengagements is that mound visits, injury timeouts, offensive and offensive team timeouts do not count as disengagements. So if the pitcher is on the rubber, steps off, and the catcher comes to the mound, that does not count as a disengagement based on how I and the umpires are interpreting this rule. This came up in the San Francisco-Milwaukee game. I believe it was on Saturday. I don't remember if it was on Saturday. It must have been Sunday. Either Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. Where um, the Giants pitcher Logan Webb steps off the mound, and then there's a slight delay, a second or two, and then the catcher comes out for a mound visit. Um, So the umpires... um, There was even some confusion amongst the umpires the first base umpire called it a disengagement. The home plate umpire did not. 
Later in that batch, he tries to pick off the runner at first and then tries to pick off the runner at first again. The first base umpire then calls that a balk because it was he thought it was the third disengagement. The home plate umpire says, no, 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 that was only a second. The mound visit doesn't count. Um, so what would really help here, we talk about this in the NFL a lot, is an approved ruling, right? So we know the rules say that mound visits don't count. But if the pitcher steps off and then the catcher comes to the mound a few seconds later, is that a disengagement and a mound visit or just a mound visit? An approved ruling here would be very helpful to figure out um, whether or not we have, right, whether or not it counts as a disengagement because this matters now. Um, does it, Does it though? I mean, it... it Craig Council got ejected over it, so yes. But you have five mound visits per nine innings, or you have two disengagements per at-bat. Like, the, the numbers there read to me that you would be losing more by making that a mound visit to try to get away from a Bach than you would just letting it go. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a situation that's going to come up often, right? Like, this is probably the first time we've seen it this year, and we're yeah. what, now almost a month and a half into the season. But... Right to me, that's the perfect place for an approved ruling in the rule book. This is a situation that doesn't happen often, but it's a weird edge case. We want to clarify what to do, right? Yeah, I, I guess I'm not disagreeing that there should be an approved ruling. I'm just saying that it's more costly to the team to charge them a mound visit. Therefore, the approved ruling should be to charge them a mound visit. And, and yes, they were charged with a mound visit, 100%. The question is, is it also a disengagement? It's for sure a mound visit, not haggling over that. I mean... That, that's a valid question. Bring you back to football, like you mentioned earlier. If you have holding and pass interference on the same guy on the same play, do you charge him with both holding and pass interference? The answer is no. You charge him with pass interference because that's the more costly of the two outcomes. But, but and to can, me, this is the same thing. But if you penalize him for both holding and pass interference, you can only enforce one of them. Like it's against the rules to enforce two penalties on the same team that occurred during the same play, right? Yeah. So there's a different rule that supersedes and comes into play here, right? So, Yeah, kind of. It goes back to the philosophy of, of rules and, and how they're applied, I guess. But I don't disagree. It's just interesting. You don't see a lot of this coming up in baseball at all. Like, right. It, it's very interesting. And to me, situations like this are the only problem I have with the pitch clock. For what I've seen with pace of play, I'm still really, really liking the pitch clock. Um, I, I went to a game a couple weeks back now, um, and I thought the one thing that I was afraid of with the pitch clock, well, two things is that being at a game, I felt like maybe it would be distracting to watching the game, having the clock there. I didn't find that a problem. I also felt maybe that I'd be cheated being in the park for the game with it being so much quicker, but I didn't feel that either. So to me, the, pit, the pitch clock itself for speeding up the game has passed every test I had for it. But it's, it's edge cases like this, right? Now we've got arguments about disengagements. We've got people ejected over pitch clock violations or non-pitch clock violations. Sometimes there are inconsistencies about when the clock operator is starting the clock, right? You've just opened up all these edge cases that are leading to a lot more arguments that we didn't have before. And to me, that's the part of it that I don't like. It would be great if players would just have worked this fast before and we wouldn't have had to gotten to this point. Like, it's not like 
games are historically fast. All we've did is brought games like back in line with the way they were in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? We haven't hit record paces yet. We've just reset back to where we were. It would have been great if we could have done this without having to introduce all these edge cases and arguments about the clock. So I blame the players for this. The players can complain all they want, but this is their fault. Yep. All of this is the player's fault. Yeah, it's, it's their fault. But also, even if you're on the sense that it's not their fault, this is what happens when you make a rule change, a, a very significant rule change to a game that's almost 150 years old. There's going to be squabbles. There's going to be growing pains. I think that's what we're seeing right now. You just got to get through it. I mean, it, there's a lot of change. And like Mike said, there's a lot of tidying up that we could do as well to the rules. But it's rare that you see something this significant happen to a game this old. There aren't a lot of games that are that old. That's fair, too. Yeah. Cricket, maybe? Golf? Yeah. Nobody really knows the rules to cricket anyway, though, so... Or golf. There are too many of them. <laughs> the ball to the hole. Track and field things. Polo, maybe. Archery. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, other than that... Wrestling. Like, boxing. All the good ones that we talk about never on this <laughs> of course. Yeah. podcast. Of course. Mm-hmm. None of the major American professional sports. Yeah. Can you imagine the last time that a significant change happened to any of those we just listed? I mean, something that, that altered the, the, the flow of the game specifically. It just doesn't happen. True. But there you go. It has happened. So... Well, all we got to do is keep reacting and keep clarifying, right? That's what I want MLB to do is there should be a long list of clarifications and approved rulings that come out after seeing how it's worked this year um, so we can just get better at enforcing it and everybody can be on the same page, right? Yep. Realistically, that's what we want. Yeah, I find that's often where leagues fall down because they're too scared to admit that they did something not the right way or they don't want to criticize their officials. And if you just... Own it and say how to do it better. Like the the officials will get better, the fans will understand it better, the players will know how to play, and it will be better moving on. So as long as everybody can be a big boy and admit they said something wrong and know how to fix it, I think we'll definitely move on and get it smoother and better. That might be a good idea for a 30 for 30, is just the whole culture around MLB umpires Whew. versus literally any other officiating in any other sport that'd be a big one to tackle oh yeah it definitely would be we can we can see that might be a good one and i mean there's more changes potentially coming i was just watching some videos today about the ball strike challenge system in AAA. so which i love by the way um we can talk more about that later <laughs> okay I, I don't want robot umpires. I don't want complete robot umpires. I'm not on board with that. I am on board with the ball strike challenge system. That one would take more convincing than the pitch clock would for me. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to dive into it now? Do you want nope, to move absolutely say, not. Uh, you don't want to talk about it now? <laughs> all right. So it's good. We'll save it so, for another day. Well, right. absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'll add that one to the list of, of, uh, of, of things to talk about in the future. That's all I had for this rule. Do you guys have any other thoughts on this rule um, before we move on? Do not. Uh, I, I don't think you actually ever defined what a disengagement is. To my understanding, it's when they step off the base or have a pickoff attempt, right? It's, it's just step, stepping off the rubber just, in any it. way, okay. right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that ever came out. If it did, I, I, I missed it. Uh, that, that, that's my understanding. With the exception of, I think if you do it um, – before you come set and before there are 
like under 10 seconds left on the clock or something, you can step off to get a new baseball and that won't count as a disengagement. Gotcha. Um, so there's an exception there. But generally, every time you take the foot off the, your foot off the rubber, um, that's a disengagement. So they, they've started to use that term instead of pick off, right? Because you don't actually have to throw over for it to count as a disengagement. So per the, per the limit. So any other questions? Good clarification. Thank you, Ryan. None for me. Cool, cool. We will move right along then to our Ariane and Josh accountability session as it's uh, going to be this week because those are the only people with predictions coming off the board. First one off the board is from Ariane. He predicted that Bronny James will play basketball at the University of Oregon next year. He just committed to, what was it, USC? Yep. Yeah. USC, last time I checked, is not Oregon. They won't even be in the same conference as Oregon soon. <laughs> I was going to say, is, is Oregon on USC's schedule next year? Can I get it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, uh, well, either way, yeah, either way, no, we're not going to give you that one. So, man. Man. You also predicted that Aaron Rodgers will stay with the Packers. Um, there are a lot of uh, Aaron Rodgers-related predictions that we're not necessarily taking off the board because they could still happen in obscure edge cases. But this is not one of them. So, nah. 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 Josh predicted that Rowdy Telez will get to at least 10 home runs by the end of the week. He ended up at nine, which is less than 10. Oof. So, nah, nah, nah. And Arian, this is one we've got to take off the board last week. You predicted that at least one American male and female will be in the bouldering finals in South Korea. I believe you told us that this did not happen. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, so the prediction is incorrect then. So, nah. Man. That is it for our accountability session this week. Um, I will start um, by um, getting some predictions back up on the board. And I am going to predict that is not what I typed is not what I wanted to predict. Let me retype that. I was going to say the Hurricanes, right? Yes, yeah. that's what I meant to put it. That seems more likely, and I don't even watch the NFL or Is the that... NHL. <laughs> Why well, doesn't I, watch any sports? I don't watch sports. I, I had typed that the, uh, the uh, Panthers and the Oilers would make, play in the Stanley Cup final. I meant to type that the Hurricanes and the Oilers will play in the Stanley Cup final. Um, if we look at 538 for this, um, they both have a 25, oh, sorry, they both have a 44% chance of making it to the Stanley Cup final. If we use um, Money Puck, which is the other um, site I use, um, they both have 40% chances of making it to the finals. If I pop on DraftKings here, the Panthers actually have lower odds than the Hurricanes right now. I can get plus 380 on the Panthers and plus 400 on the Hurricanes. Surprise this is a not bit. a gambling advice show. No, please don't. Do not listen to what Ariander said to make any decisions. for. I was just saying anything. as far as odds go, that was another one that I was just looking at. Edmonton is the odds-on favorite. But I thought that was interesting, but... Vegas is feeling it. People are probably just placing a lot of bets because they're an underdog, and that's a fun thing to bet on. So it's between, depending on uh, which site you look at, it's between a 15 and 20% chance that they both make it since they're independent events. I'm going to say just completely without hearing any numbers, I was feeling like it was a triple. Say it's double triple. Um, 
to me, this seems like the, the, the most feel good matchup, right? I don't know. I feel generous. Triple's fine. Triple's fine. It, it is it's probably, probably a the, double. It's, yeah. It, yeah. I'll let you guys decide. Yeah. I just think it's hard to predict. The, to me, I, I think this is a double, game. but I, I want it to happen. So I'm going to give you a triple, I guess. That seems backwards, but weird, sure. but okay. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. I'm just handing them out today. So triple. Triple. That's that's what you're saying. So the, the other the other thing I want to uh I want to say, which is a little bit interesting, right? With with the point we're at in the playoffs now, the last time one of the teams remaining in the playoffs um won the Stanley Cup was when the Hurricanes did it in two thousand six. When they also played the Edmonton Oilers. Ah, that's so. it's, a, it's a feel good one. Mm-hmm. So all of these teams are, are due for a Stanley Cup. Granted, two of these teams have been in the NHL for uh, less than five years, so that does uh, does change it up a little bit. But anyway, triple. I suppose it's probably actually a double, but I'm, we're feeling generous today. So. Do anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He he is still alive. At least he was as of the, this weekend when I was hanging out with him. But he has not opened my snap yet, asking uh, if he has a prediction. So for now, we're just going to leave it blank since he hasn't opened it. He doesn't get a strikeout because he didn't see it. Those are the rules. Um, if he makes a prediction and sees it and makes a prediction, um, we'll put it on the board. Otherwise, we'll give him a strikeout at that time. Sounds good. I'll go ahead and go with my prediction. Uh, as of recording this episode on a Monday evening, it's breaking news that there's some gambling issues in Iowa with the Iowa and Iowa State um, collegiate teams, uh, multiple different sports involved here. Uh, but I'm going to go and predict that no player from the Iowa State football roster is booted off of the team due to NCAA gambling issues, I guess. And if it comes to a point where we need to clarify that more in the future, we certainly can. Uh, but my intent is that no current team member on the roster is booted due to the current scandal that's happening right now. I have literally no idea how to uh, judge this. Uh, for what it's worth, I don't either. So part of me just wants to say, I don't know, single? <laughs> maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't happen. We have no yeah, idea. We don't even know how the NCAA will handle this situation in general. This is the and, first time we're kind of seeing this come up. Right. The, the story just broke a few minutes, a few hours ago. So, yeah, we don't even know the whole story. So, we just know that it keeps, it seems to keep growing and including more and more people. Alabama and Iowa, NFL players, Iowa State. Yeah. I would have guessed that when, you know, all of these sports and leagues are accepting gambling websites and apps as sponsors and they're played every single commercial break that all of a sudden more people are going to want to bet and that might include athletes who would have guessed that to me it comes down to are you betting on your own sport right like if i'm a college football player betting on the nfl personally i don't have a problem with college football players betting on non-college football games i agree Right. If you're betting on the sport, you're participating. And even if it isn't your team, if it's your team, it's worse. It's even worse. But yeah, I don't that, even want that's to bet. worst. I mean, right. I would argue it shouldn't be in the same league. Like right. if you're if you're that, in college, you should only go to bet on professional. Right. But but I mean, if I'm an NFL player, for example, I don't care if you bet on baseball, right? 
Yeah. If, if I'm no, a college football player, I don't care if you bet on college basketball, right? As long as you're not betting on your the the activity you are participating in at the level you are participating in it in. If that made sense. To to me, that's where I draw the line. But I would even put it at the same school. Like if you're an Iowa State football player betting on Iowa State basketball, how am I to know that you don't have inside information that other people would not have? But then how do you make sure they don't bet against a team that's playing against your team? Yeah, I don't know. It it's messy. It's it gonna be messy. messy. It's it it it's like we shouldn't tear down fences without carefully examining what's on the other side of the fence, like we looked at <laughs> with the baseball rule changes. I was gonna say the NCAA has been tearing down fences rapidly for the last what five years with all this transfer portal and years. nil or everything they've done they just do it and they're like oh no consequences to these actions that we did not study at all what are you making all that money for oh don't don't get us started all right there you go do do one on the ncaa and how much they suck we could talk about that for a long time yeah we definitely could oh yeah but- Anyway, back oh, to the point. We'll leave it a single, I guess. And yes, I think no. this will be a single. No, boo. <laughs> like, we don't have precedent for this. Like, the only precedent we have is Alabama's baseball coach getting fired. But there's reason to believe that he was helping somebody bet on his own game. Mm-hmm. That's what which, I'm like, saying. It should be higher like than said, a single. Is all across, which is across the line. Just got have idea. information that they were betting on their games, though. Right, the way I read the story, they weren't bet. The way I read the story, any sports betting for college athletes is prohibited by the NCAA, and these guys were just betting on random games. That's the way I read the story. Again, I don't have any other information. Information hasn't come out, but that's how I read the story. Yeah, I agree. Otherwise, this is huge because you got fifteen Iowa State athletes betting on their games. That's huge, and that's big news, and that's terrible. NCAA rules prohibit athletes, coaches, and staff from betting on amateur, collegiate, and professional sports in which the NCAA conducts a championship. For example, athletes cannot bet on NFL games, even if state laws would legally allow them to do so if they weren't competing under NCAA rules. So, so and, that's for, and that's for any sport, right? Not necessarily just the ones they are performing right. in, right? So yeah. a, call, a Cyclone football player can't even bet on an NBA game or an MLB game under those rules. Because it is strict. Yeah. So, so I don't view this as a huge scandal because the way I read it is they, you know, our cycling football players bet on an NBA playoff game. Yeah. Again, speculation, but that's the way I read the article. We will see. I will swallow the single and ask if Kyle has a prediction for this week. He does. Uh, he uh, was on a work trip and was unable to join us um, for this episode, but he did make a prediction for us. He's going to predict that the Royals take two out of three from the White Sox um, in their series. Um, that is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I believe. Um, I don't think it bleeds into Thursday. If it does, then I'm going to have to ask him for a new prediction. Yeah, it's a four-game series. Um, how do we want to handle this? I say we scratch it and pretend yeah, like he didn't on predict it and just ask him for a update. If he wants it to be two or four or three or four. Or wants to do just three of the games. Yeah. yeah. We'll check in. So yeah, I, clarification. 
I, I sent him a couple messages, so we'll uh, we'll we'll get back and we'll assign that off air. That works. What do you got, Aran? Okay. Uh, I am going to predict that George Niang and the 76ers will move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, defeating the Celtics. And it should be known that I made this prediction before the game started. Not that that matters. You did. I mean, according to 538, if we go back to our old friend 538 and click on the NBA predictions page, it says that the 76ers have a 34% chance of moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it seems like a double. That's double. Lower, than, lower than I thought they'd have. So That's they, definitely a double. I mean, they are they're definitely giving them an injury penalty. I'm not sure for whom yeah. at the moment. Um, yeah, they're giving a min- a minus nineteen for Embiid's injury. Embiid, yeah. Right now. So double it is. I will take it. And I really like that because that means we have a single, double, and a triple, which rounds out our write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 222. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Theater. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!